0: You're going to take have the experience of working with this powerful medicine that comes from whether it's an herb or uh, whether it's coming from a frog, whatever wherever your medicine is coming from, it's important to honor it. And you don't go back to eating like junk food and fast food after your combo experience. It's not it's not meant to be just like oh let me just do this and clear my system and then I can just go back to my life. Right. <laughs> You you want to maintain and, um, you know, make long-term changes, and that's what's going to help people see the biggest benefit.
1: Hey, 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 friends. Welcome to the Naked Podcast. I'm your host, Martisa Williams. In this space, we'll explore a whole range of practices for our individual and collective freedom. My entire life has been spent soaking up practice after modality after protocol to free my body and soul. Join me in conversations with the world's foremost thought leaders on topics ranging from health to sex to spirituality to justice. So are you ready to get naked with me? Well, let's talk about it. it's that time again welcome welcome to the 12th episode of the naked podcast how are you it snowed for the first like we got our first real snow um yesterday and i can say it's the first time that i've ever been excited to see snow and for me that feels like some type of growth (laughs) um but yeah How are you? How is your December? We're coming up on the winter solstice in a couple weeks and lots is happening in the world as is the kind of normal state of 2020. How is your heart feeling? How is your spirit feeling? What's going on for you right now? I love starting every episode with those questions because I hope that it maybe takes a, gives you a moment to kind of reflect and to remember like hey be here now as ramdas so eloquently said so in my world um i'm looking forward to the solstice i'm looking forward to um coming into my personal new year as my birthday is at the end of the month um and so i'm preparing for that i'm preparing for um Just kind of checking in with myself, getting silent for the last week of the month and checking out completely. So yeah, that's that, that's me right now. Wrapping things up, starting things, continuing to enjoy the work that we're doing with the Release Intensive um, and planning what that will look like moving forward and, and for the next session. So definitely keep your eyes peeled for that. If you are interested, all merch is still on sale. And actually right now it's even more on sale because I would like to get rid of all the old stuff I have in inventory. So everything right now is buy two for $8. Like two t-shirts, all $8. Um, so if you're interested in a get naked tea or a woman tea, go ahead and head over to my website or the link in the description box and um hop on that before they're all gone it's pretty limited sizing right now but i've been really enjoying having um a little bit larger clothing like covid home being home for covid has really made me love anything big cozy that i can essentially swim in um And we've got some of those those sizes left. So check that out if you're interested. Let's get into today's episode, shall we? So on today's episode, we talk with Raven Rose. Raven is an embodied herbalist, womb wellness, and combo practitioner. She was called to her healing work through her own experience with endometriosis, a broken healthcare system, and dissatisfaction with accepted ways of being her journey to heal her menstrual pain she embodied and studied herbalism ethnobotany womb massage in the yucatan and how to safely administer combo while spending a month living in the amazon along her journey she's dove into ancestral lineage healing and followed the guidance of her ancestor as she's discovered her path as a healing facilitator I was super excited to connect with Raven um for this podcast because as an herbalist and as an herbalist that specifically um dives into menstrual health, I was really interested in how her journey worked and super excited to hear about all her relationship with um plant medicines and ancestral medicine and indigenous medicine. So in this episode We talk about Raven's Afro-Caribbean upbringing, her journey with endometriosis, um, and then how she's used ancestral medicines to um, heal her menstrual health and to begin to work with others to heal their menstrual health issues. Mm -hmm. And then we look at menstrual health from a holistic lens. Um, And then we kind of talk about her go-to herbs for hormonal balancing. And that's kind of the first part of the episode. And then the second half of the episode, we really get into plant medicines, which I was super, super excited because I think this is the first episode um, of the podcast that we talk about plant medicines. We talk about psychedelics. We talk about indigenous medicine. And those are things that I'm really interested in super early on my journey with. So I was excited to talk to someone who had a little bit more experience through it. So we talk about combo and ancestral healing. We get into psilocybin, ayahuasca, iboga. She'll explain all of them and her journey and experience with them. And then we end up the in the conversation with talking about rest as a decolonization practice. And I will say, just as a disclaimer, plant medicines, they're very powerful, potent medicines that are not for everyone. So in this episode, we chat about our relationship to them, but know that they're not a prescription in any sense of the word. And if you're interested in them, do some really, really deep soul searching and deep research on um, the benefits and the negatives, the negative sides of all of them. Um, Yeah, so be responsible in this, in that search, um, and take this conversation from that perspective. So, enjoy the episode, everyone. I'll see you on the other side. Hi! hi (laughs) (laughs) we do this for the listeners it's so funny because I like say hi and then we say hi again once I push record it's always so funny but um thank you so much for being here I'm super super excited to have this conversation with you
0: yeah I'm really excited as well cool
1: so the first um question that I ask all my guests is what made you you
0: yeah that's a really great question um (laughs) And I had to really, like, think about that because, sorry, there's a helicopter flying by right now. (laughs) It's all good. (laughs) So uh, what made me me? I think I'm truly someone who is made by nature and um, in my life and my healing process and just like, I'm sure we'll get into that more about um, this journey that I've been on, but Um, Everything comes back to nature for me and when I am feeling bad or when I'm feeling great, it's usually because of a connection with nature and I think that's really truly what makes me me, um, having that really deep connection, nature as in the earth and plants and trees and water, um, but also um, beyond the earth, the cosmos, the stars, the planets, um, and all of the unseen things, the seen and the unseen, um, that's really what makes me, me and being connected to that and coming from that. And, um, also like, uh, restoring my connection with that in, in myself and in this life. Yeah, that's such a good answer. I love that. Tell me,
1: cause I actually don't know a whole lot about your background and your upbringing. I kind of just know like what like who you are today at least on social media and the work that you do but how like what who were you as a a
0: kid like who's your family tell me all of that (laughs) oh gosh gosh I was you know I was a really quiet kid and I would say I was like the typical kind of I had a lot of Gemini energy for sure Mm -hmm. as a kid I was just like constantly reading books um, I used to love um, just like hanging out with my cousins every summer we would my family we li- uh, lived in North Carolina and we would go to New York and visit my cousins every summer and that was so much fun. I spent a lot of time with both my grandmas over the summers and I have a little sister who's about six years younger than me and it was just I just remember growing up and spending a lot of time with family and Mm. I grew up in a Caribbean uh, household my mom is Jamaican my dad is Cuban and both of my grandparents uh, families grew up one block away from each other in New York so when we would go up there over the summer it was like we would go and stay at grandma Rose's house and then you know we would get up and she'd make us food and then we would go around the block to grandma Serafina's house and (laughs) um, hang out with all the cousins during the day. And it was just, it was just so much fun. And, um, while we weren't doing that, I mean, for me personally, I was reading books. I was Mm. such a bookworm, (laughs) such a bookworm. I was like, I was the quiet kid. I was the kid that was always friends with the people that didn't really have friends and always, always like, you know, attracted to those people. And, um, I mean, I started journaling my dreams when I was like seven years old. I got my first mm-hmm. dream book from a book fair in elementary school. So that was that was me <laughs> as a kid, and I, I kind of that. just um, grew up and started doing the same things. Um, I remember I used to make potions, like potions out of uh, stuff that was underneath the sink <laughs> in um, uh, in the bathroom. So like shampoo and lotion and stuff and oils. My mom did not like that at all. <laughs> but um, yeah, I grew up and I started making herbal potions and that's kind of like, you know, I just became a big kid basically. I love it. I love it. I feel like a lot of kids, like I have the
1: same memories of like always wanting to make DIY this or DIY that, especially when it comes to like products and potions and foods and all of that. And they feel like it's I, at least for me, it felt like a very natural thing. I grew up also like sewing with my grandmother. So I was always the kid that was like in the basement, like trying to repurpose my clothes in different ways or any little piece of fabric. So I don't know that's so funny. Cause like, as a kid, we always have that kind of material wanting to like create and like see things transform, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, I really want to know about your journey. Like, how did you get here? I mean, when you're talking about growing up with your Jamaican and Cuban family, all I could start thinking about was the food. Like, that's where immediately my my brain went. It was like, that house had to smell amazing all the time. But (laughs) how did you get from one to the next? Like, what did you have ancestral connections
0: to the
1: earth in the way, like... What was that about?
0: Yeah, um, you know, it's interesting. I think I I started getting a lot of, um, I started having spiritual experiences and like ancestral guidance when I was a kid. And I remember going to, uh, we were in Jamaica. My dad worked for American Airlines. So I had a lot of opportunities to travel and uh, we would go down to the Caribbean every summer or at least once a year. Uh, my parents loved to be in Jamaica, Dominican Republic. Um, and so there was one year we went to Jamaica and visited my mom's family. And I remember the first time I had a soursop fruit. It was like, <laughs> when I think back on it, it was a really powerful spiritual experience. Mm. Like, I just remember like all of the, all the senses in my body being awakened oh. and just like it's kind of like if you, um, like everything became really clear around me. Mm. Um, I could see really far. I could see like the, the way the trees were communicating with the water and back. And it was just like this really powerful experience, but I didn't really have any kind of framework to, um, explore that. And Mm. because, you know, my family, my parents, they, 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 came, they are first-generation um, immigrants to the States, and um, they were focused on just having a solid home and kind of reestablishing after being in, um, you know, having that big transition of moving from the islands to the States. And so it was great having that stability, but I didn't have the spiritual support and uh, more of the like ancestral influence of um incorporating more like family traditions i mean we always had like great caribbean food in the house um but i know that there are other traditions that weren't really passed on like i have um two aunts on my dad's side my actually an aunt and my great grandmother um who were readers. They did a lot of divination and I didn't find that out until after they passed. Um, So those kinds of things I didn't get to learn about growing up as a kid. I had to turn to my ancestors and um, get that information through directly from my ancestors rather than being able to talk to family about things because a lot of things kind of got pushed out and um, you know trying to fit into the modern world. I didn't learn Spanish growing up as a kid. Uh, because my parents I think I think anyway that my dad wanted me to be American because he's Afro-Cuban he didn't speak any English and he got picked on a lot when he came to the Mm. states so um, I think they my parents just wanted us to be really great Americans and um, so I had to like incorporate more of the ancestral practices and some of the traditions on my own Um, but I definitely did have some things growing up as a kid too so interesting i think it's so funny how
1: like as an adult we learn about the ways i was telling my my partner recently i was saying like you know none of who we are is just like from our own volition in a lot of ways um because like it's always passed down i remember i was talking to my aunt um a few months back about you know i was spewing all this knowledge I was learning about the subconscious mind and you know how we can affect it and how we can work with it and things and she's like god you're just like your grandfather he was always talking about this and reading books on it and I was like damn like nothing I do is original right like it's always some lineage that like comes back and affects us even if we don't know it
0: yeah that's it's so true. It's so true, and so much of like my journey and and learning about myself and all these practices. Uh, like when I started doing tarot readings, my dad came over and he was like, "Oh, you know, your my grandmother used to do that." And I was like, "You never, nobody ever told me."
1: <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I'm like, we I could have had a blueprint here. Like we could have had resources.
0: Exactly. Um,
1: But so, okay, I want to get into the spiritual thing, but I kind of, I know most of your work is around herbs, herbalism, and the menstrual cycle. And actually, recently, I just did an episode with Elisa Vitti, who's the author of Woman Code. I don't know if you've read her work. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah, so I just had um, an interview with her. And so now I'm like, all in the space of like getting my menstrual cycle together. Um, So I want to hear more about your, how you got into it and just tips and tricks and ways
0: to work with the cycle. Yeah. So, wow. My journey with my menstrual cycle has been, um, wow. It's, it really started when I was about 15 years old, 16 years old. I started getting really bad pain with my cycles and i remember one night in particular waking up in the middle of the night and just i was in excruciating pain and it was it was really intense and i didn't really understand where it was coming from i don't i i just couldn't understand anything about what uh, about what was going on with my body and I didn't know what to do. My mom didn't know what to do. So I went to the doctor and I kind of was in that whole modern medical system for a few years. Um, when I was about 18, I got put on hormonal birth control. I was on that for seven years and I had to keep switching pills because I got really depressed being on it. Mm. And there was a whole bunch of other shifts and changes that happened that were not positive. And, By the time I got to that last pill that I was on, I, I started having kidney pain every night and I didn't know what was going on. So I decided to just stop because I was eating pretty clean. I was only drinking water and I was like, wait, something is going on. I don't know what it is. It must be this pill. I'm just going to stop taking it and see what happens. So I stopped taking it and the pain went away. And then at like a week later, I saw this, uh, commercial for a class action lawsuit against the company who made that pill um, because it was causing people to have kidney failure and death. And I was like, okay, (laughs) I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not doing it. And I started seeing a different doctor and um, I found out that I could be dealing with endometriosis. And from there, I just dove in. That's when I really started um, exploring diet and herbs and um, just meditation, wellness practices, everything. Everything that's been a part of my journey up until now really started about uh, nine years ago when I found out that I could be dealing with endometriosis. And um, endometriosis is basically when there are, um, when there's adhesions outside of the uterus So normally the the uterine lining builds up inside the uterus. And then with endometriosis, there's pieces of uterine lining that come that are outside of the uterus in different parts of the pelvic cavity um, and then different parts of the body as well. And it can cause a lot of pain, um, which, I mean, I'll get into it a little bit more, but it's just really interesting to understand how pain works and um, how pain can be tied to um to emotional, to emotions, to actual things that are in our environment, toxins in the environment, um, also, uh, things that, how we move our body, how connected to nature we are, how connected we are to our body, all those things can contribute to pain and, and of course, diet and things like that. So those are all the things that I shifted and changed. And as I started getting better, the first things I changed was, um, I started, Uh, eating differently. And I also started meditating and that reduced my pain a lot. I used to have pain 10 days a month when I first started. And then just those two things reduced my pain uh, down to five days. And then from there, it was just like a continual process of self-exploration, getting to know my body, refining my diet even further. And when I started to hit roadblocks, that's when I started to get into things like um, working with smoke medicine. So I'd make roll herbal smokes and that would help me with pain. And as I was rolling those herbal smokes, I, was, I didn't realize it at the time that I wouldn't like pray with those herbs and like mm-hmm. send my prayers in the smoke and ask for help and guidance because I didn't know what to do. I just was completely at a loss of what steps I should take to keep moving forward when I thought I had done everything that like the books say to do. Right. Um, and then, from there that's when I started getting into ancestor work and calling on my ancestors for guidance and um from from that point, I started getting into other things like combo and um, I started studying herbs and actually went to herb school and studied herbalism and ethnobotany. Then I went to the Yucatan and studied womb and abdominal massage with um with the midwife down there and also explored a lot of like spiritual healing, and um, around that time when I was studying herbalism and learning about womb massage, I also dove in even more deeply to my dream work practices and revived them a little bit from when I was a kid. And those dream work practices and those dream work rituals that I was doing, that was really powerful for connecting with my ancestors. And I I did go through a period where I felt like I had a little bit of an initiation into my path in working with other people mm-hmm. and helping them with their menstrual cycles. But, um, along this whole journey of, um, discovery, self-discovery reconnection with nature and reconnection with plants and herbs. Um, yeah, it really transformed my cycles and I got to a point where I didn't have to take painkillers anymore and that was huge <laughs> and I continued to get better and, um, now, like my last cycle was just the best cycle I've ever had. I was, oh you know, doing my normal things. I I still take, I take time off now. I don't try and work on my, on the first day of my cycle or the second day of my cycle. I don't do that anymore. And I think it's really important to honor our natural cycles. And um, I heard this, I heard this um, healer speak uh, not too long ago. And he said that people with wombs are governed by celestial celestial bodies. And I totally resonated with that. And I think it's important for us to be connected to that. And that's part of our, our gifts and our, our wisdom and the things, the amazing things that we have to offer is our connection with our womb and the celestial bodies and our menstrual cycle. Um, yeah, but it's been a really powerful journey to get to the point where I actually am interested in what's happening with my body and uh, what's happening with my menstrual cycle and living my life based on that.
1: Yeah. It's so, it's really interesting to me the more that I hear about women talking about like, as I healed this thing, other things in my life like evolved and unfold. Like, enfold it, you know? And I think for me, what I'm learning in getting connected to my cycle and catering to it, like, day by day, meal by meal, activity by activity, really being like, you know, I have to nurture this body every moment that I'm in it, um, it has connected me to my understanding of self as, like, a creator, like as a person as like a oh god um how do i articulate this but like as a as a as a person put on this being to literally bring life forth and not just in the physical like a baby but like in every way to constantly be creating um and it's interesting because it's like we are so dis As women, I think a lot of us are just so disconnected from that. Like, we're so disconnected because we live in a world that's male-dominated, and the expectation is that we conform to the male dominance and, like, live that way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How do you, like... not healthy. No. mm -mm, No. I mean, like, all of us are dealing with endometriosis, with PMS, with all these things, like, all the fibroids, the the infertility, all of it. And like, I don't think we realize how holistic of a problem it is. It's like, it's not just, Oh, you eat this thing and you're going to be good. Or you take the, the pill and it's going to be good. You know, mm-hmm. how do you work with your, Absolutely. with your people with that? Like what's your, you don't have to give me your whole protocol, but like, what is it that you, what's your, your foot in to kind of starting to heal some of
0: that stuff? Yeah, you know, it's like like you said, it's really about coming back to what's most natural for um, for for women for people who bleed. It's um, about so much of it is about reestablishing um, that connection with the more subtle aspects of our being and of ourselves. Um, I mean, the biggest shifts and changes are diet lifestyle and um, also just being aware of your emotional state and being able to honor that because so much of what we're dealing with um, so much of the imbalances that we're dealing with have to do with uh, being disconnected from our bodies and putting our emotions to the side and we're told that we're emotional and we're unstable and oh you're just are you about to bleed like What's wrong with you, like as if it's something wrong, and um, I think that that has a huge impact on how we view ourselves mm-hmm. and then that gets internalized that um, kind of gets internalized as like um, almost like a safe self-hatred mm-hmm. like uh, mm-hmm. and then people start to hate their cycles and they start to hate bleeding and they wish they didn't have to have a cycle and then that's where it's like, oh, I'll just take this pill and I don't have my cycle for four months. And it's like this huge disconnect between uh, what it actually means to to live and thrive in um, this form. And as someone who has a menstrual cycle. And um, so, yeah, it's like, there's the diet piece, there's the herbs, there's the self-care. Self-care is a really big part of it. Self-care helps people to slow down and start mm-hmm. to listen. And when people are facing like endometriosis, PCOS, fibroids, all these really big things that a lot of times, I mean, the medical community just doesn't have the answers for. We have to really start listening to our bodies. And um, so asking yourself how you're feeling after you eat a meal, how are you feeling or paying attention to how you feel after you talk to someone? How do you feel when you're about to go into work? Are your, are, is your body just completely tensed and tightened up? That's going to impact your cycle. And uh, how do you feel about, you know, your partner? How do you feel about, um, uh, you know, any aspect of your life? And does it cause you anxiety? Does it cause you Fear? Does it cause you grief? Like, what are the things that you're feeling and really paying attention to that rather than just pushing it to the side? And then when your cycle comes, everything comes out anyway.
1: Right. <laughs> and right. everything
0: comes to the surface. So it's really about like reconnecting with your body and your emotions and really all aspects of your being. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I kind of teach people to. Um, to think about is your whole being, not just your physical body, but how are your emotions? Does your energy shift when somebody walks into the room? Does your energy shift when you get asked a particular question? Do you start to notice cycles um, of like disassociation with certain um, situations and people? So it's like, (laughs) there's so many layers, but just asking questions like asking, how do I feel? Mm -hmm. Feeling is water energy. And um, if you bleed, you are dominated by water. I mean, you have other elements within you. Of course we all do, but the dominant one is going to be water. And so we have to pay attention to how we're feeling and how our, how our bodies are responding to our feelings and uh, what's happening in our environment. Yeah. that makes
1: a lot of sense. I never thought about the water connection and I don't don't know why that was a thing, but that totally, totally makes sense. I'm, um. you're a cancer moon. Did I read that on
0: your, yeah, on your, yeah.
1: on your website? Um, I'm a cancer rising and oh. yeah. So I'm a, a Capricorn sun, cancer rising Aries moon. Um, And so, but it's interesting because like, all my life before I got into astrology, I didn't really have, I only knew about the Capricorn and I was like, "Ah, eh, sure. I mean, yeah, in work, maybe that makes sense. But um, when, it, when I started to learn about my moon and my rising, specifically my rising in that cancer, like how it is so watery and the emotions and the flow. And I used to, I had like a lot of it, recognizing one, how connected it is to my own femininity but then also recognizing to how I demonized it, like I demonized, like I don't want to feel, I don't want to be kind of in this constant state of up and down and flow and here and there. Like I want to be more fixed. Um, but thinking about like just our innate relationship to water as women. I mean, I also knew knew that like um, it, it was recommended to me once that like when I'm feeling away. Any type of way, and I want to shift it, get around some water, run a bath, go to the lake, do whatever to like be able to shift that energy, and without fail, it always it always works there's always a shift, but being connected to that element, I, I hadn't thought about it in relationship to our cycles, so that's a, that's a good one
0: yeah, yeah, and um, as far as healing and um, kind of restoring balance it's really important. Like water is really important. That's one that really kind of gets pushed to the side, but uh, I really look at all the elements. So earth more connected to um, the physical body. Um, How you are, do you even touch your body? Do you touch your room space Um, and diet? That's more of the earth energy. Uh, The fire has more to do with like digestion of, food but also digestion of emotions and how we move our bodies Uh, what movement practices are most um, present for you and are your movement practices focused on um, like minimizing aspects of yourself or are your movement practices focused on feeling a lot of flow and um, kind of connecting with your own rhythm Mm. and then there's air which is more connected to your mind and your mental state how Your thoughts are impacting your body, and um, it also has a lot to do with the nervous system and using your voice and those things. And then uh, water, of course, is going to be more of the emotions and the spiritual aspect and the ancestry as well. That's great. In a perfect
1: world, a perfect day for you in honoring your cycle in all the ways that you do, what does that look like for you?
0: Yeah, so for me, I think a perfect day starts with I love qigong in the morning. It's it's my favorite thing. As like usually, I wake up. Um, I've gotten into the a really natural rhythm with like waking up around six, five thirty, six o'clock in the morning. And usually, I will just lay in bed for the first thirty minutes. Um, I. Um, I take my temperature every morning and uh, chart my cycles I've been doing that for a few years now and uh, after that I'll usually just write down my dreams and um, maybe make a cup of tea and then I get into Qigong and, and kind of moving my body and waking my body up um, and then from there like I'm really just paying attention to um, how I'm feeling I ask my body how what's what's happening today how? How am I feeling if there's anything that I need to focus on? Like um, I tend to get a tension in my lower back and I've been doing a lot of work around that lately and really paying attention to how I'm sitting and how I'm walking. And so I'll do some, uh, some practices for releasing tension in my lower back. And then I kind of just like move through my day. (laughs) And because of the work that I do now, I don't really, it's great. I love what I do now because I don't have to go into an office. I don't have to answer to anyone except for myself, which can be really, really freeing. But then at the same time, I have to give myself a lot of structure because I am very air and, um, (laughs) I'm like Gemini sun. I have mercury venus and the sun and north node and all these planets in gemini oh wow and i'm a libra rising and i'm just like (laughs) so airy (laughs) so airy kind of can be all over the place and just like constantly absorbing information so i really have to focus my energy and give myself a like a schedule to stick to but um i create a loose framework and i leave room for flexibility it's really important for me to like when i take breaks from work i will go outside and just walk around barefoot. Um, I'll go and take care of my plants in the garden and things like that. Um, That really helps me to stay grounded and um, also to just like nourish me and help me to maintain my connection with nature and with um, a lot of the herbs that I work with. Sometimes I'll just like go into my apothecary, like take a break from work, go into my apothecary and just like who wants to talk to me right now and ask the plants what's happening. And um, that's really a great way for me to be connected as well. And um, other than that, once I'm done working, um, I love to move. I love to dance. I love to ride my bike. Um, I think dance is one of my favorite things other than um, Qigong, as far as movement goes. Same. And yeah, it's, I love dance. (laughs) And um, yeah, as far as foods, I mean, I, recently did a i fasted for the first time for three days and it was really powerful Um, i learned so much about myself and i also um have started like incorporating many fasts in my day-to-day life so i fasted for three days and that was really powerful i'm definitely going to do that again i think make it a more regular practice but um, i actually started fasting for just 24 hours um, like for a few days before my cycle. So um, like maybe six or seven days before my cycle, I'll just do a 24 hour fast uh, for releasing things that I've been carrying through that cycle um, and before moving into the next one. And I find that it really helps with releasing a lot of stagnant emotional energy, a lot of Mm -hmm. things that have been uh, stagnant in my physical body. um, And that's been really helpful. And other than that, I, I, I kind of do a lot of intermittent fasting because I'm like, when I'm focused on work, I just like, I want to do the work that I'm doing and I don't want to lose my train of thought with food. (laughs) Um, But I do eat really nourishing meals when I'm eating and um, lots of fresh fruits and vegetables and things like that. But yeah, my days are kind of, um, they definitely follow uh, the cycles of the moon as well. As far yeah. as like how much energy I have and where I'm focusing my energy. Yeah. I feel
1: like that's a managing our energy like that is like a, a radical act in my brain. Like it's not something that we're expected to be doing. It's not something that we taught. It's very much something that is against the grain of everything that we know in this current society. So it's it's always interesting. I love hearing people talk, specifically women, specifically people who bleed. Um, talk about how they manage their energy because I'm trying to learn how to do that constantly. Um, So yeah, before we get into like the plant medicine stuff, even though technically this is plant medicine, what are your like go-to herbs that you work with when it comes to your menstrual cycle?
0: Yeah, um, I one of the the main herbs, as far as like hormonal balancing, I really love um, peony root, Vitex berries, and I usually throw in a liver herb. Um, a liver herb, like for me, I really love the plurum root. It's been really helpful for me in my cycles. Um, but that's kind of like the three herbs that I turn to a lot for hormonal balancing. And aside from that, like hormonal balancing should only be done for a certain period of time anyway. Like you get your hormones balanced and you focus on other things it's um, other, the underlying factors that play into the imbalance to begin with. So that helps with kind of steering things in the right direction, but then it's important to focus on like how, what's causing your hormones to be imbalanced anyways, to begin with. Um, There's stress, of course, and stress can come from food. It can come from, um, you know, environmental toxins. It can come from um, how we are responding to our environment, and that has a lot to do with um, either childhood trauma, things that we've experienced, things that we could be holding on to, ancestral trauma, um, and things like that. And and then there's also like how are you moving? How are you moving your body? And all of those things contribute to stress, and stress contributes to our hormone imbalance. So. one thing to take the herbs and those herbs are really great but then it's you also have to look at all those other things all the other um, baseline things to shift Mm. Um, so aside from those herbs i really love the nervines and herbs that support the nervous system so oat straw is one of my favorites Um, oat straw i love to have in tea form and i also love um, milky oats as a tincture it's just so nourishing Um, i keep. Uh, lavender and chamomile tea bags in my um, like right next to my tea kettle because those that I turn to that all the time (laughs) lavender and chamomile it's just perfect I like it when I have to sit down and work because it helps me to also like focus and not be so up here and just kind of like smooth out my energy Um, and then I also drink a lot of ginger and Tulsi Ginger is really great for digestion and soothing the gut and, um, gut healing is such a huge part of menstrual wellness, such a huge part of it. And then Tulsi is an adaptogenic herb. So it helps with, um, basically helping the nervous system or helping to like buffer the stress response. So your body isn't like swaying to the opposite ends of the spectrum as far as stress goes. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I love to have like an adaptogen like Tulsi in my daily repertoire, but then, um, with those adaptogenic herbs, it's important to know that they are, they're there to support you, but you always have to look at the primary thing, which is, um, taking care of, the things that are causing you a lot of stress and right. trying to make changes around that. That way you're not just, um, you're not just like, uh, kind of putting a bandaid on it with an herb.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Lavender is also like one of my consistent allies. Like m- my, one of my absolute favorite teas, one of my absolute favorite mm-hmm. smells, like just forever an ally for me. But lately I've been really, um, drawn to motherwort and I don't really know why can you tell me about motherwort
0: a little bit yeah motherwort oh gosh I love motherwort it's an amazing herb yeah it's really great for for one it's really great for stress it's also great for the heart Um, it's one of those herbs that you can turn to as a heart opener um, and it's physically great for the heart for anyone who has heart palpitations or anything Mm. like that Um, And it's really helpful for stress. Um, If I remember when, um, like when my cycles, when my pain used to be really, really intense, right before I would start bleeding, I would get, I would feel so much anxiety and so much stress that my cycle was going to come and I was going to be in pain. Mm. And I would take motherwort um, beforehand. I would take like um, 30 drops, like every 30 minutes or so until my body calmed down. And I noticed that, Like I would get into these anxious states and then I would take the motherwort and that anxiety would subside and the pain would subside as well. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah. So it's really great for stress. It's really great for the heart. Um, And it's also, um, as I I learned from uh, Karen Rose, who is an amazing herbalist who like really inspired me on my path, but um, she talks about motherwort being an herb for like remothering yourself if you didn't really have a really great connection with your mom or if you didn't maybe have a wonderful connection in the um like a wonderful womb experience motherwort is an herb that you can work with for that
1: interesting I was out um on a plant walk with a friend of mine and there was just so much mother war. Like it was everywhere on this particular trail that we were on. So I like went and like harvested a bunch of it and dried it. And now it's just like sitting in a jar and I keep saying I'm gonna tincture it. But I think having this conversation, I'm like, I really do need to go ahead and start that tincture so that I can begin to work with that, with that. Cause I don't know, it's like, it was like one of those herbs that I was on a walk and this was like the very, very beginning of starting to even go on these plant walks. And I looked down and I was like, that's an interesting little plant. Like, And so I started looking up what it could be and I found Mother War and I was like, interesting. And then ever since, like, it's just something I see all the time. And I think that kind of happens when you start identifying plants anyway. But um, I just started getting really, really drawn to it, loving the flowers of it, loving like, all. I don't know, it was weird. So um, I'm definitely going to start working with it. It's so weird when a plant like jumps out at you and is like, Hey, we're, you know,
0: I'm supposed to be in your world. We're supposed to be in each other's world, you know? Yeah. It's, it's really cool when that happens. It's so much fun. Um, and I feel like that's, that's where you start to really develop like deep plant spirit connections also. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that. Okay. Speaking about
1: spirit, Let's talk about com- combo, right? I'm pronouncing Yeah, all- combo. Okay, let's talk about combo like I know almost zero to none about it. So I'm sure other people like may not even know that word at all. So give us the whole rundown on what it is, how you take it, what's the indigenous like um practice of it all of that.
0: Yeah, so combo is a frog poison and um, it comes from the uh, phylomedusa bicolor frog, or the green monkey tree frog, and um, this frog is found in the Amazon, so like Colombia, Peru, Brazil, um, and it's it's a really powerful uh, medicine to work with. And basically, to work with combo, you um, do su- superficial burns on the skin, and the poison goes on top of that, but why so let me back up because I want to tell you about the experience of combo and what it actually is like and uh, why people do it so it's a frog poison like I said and whenever poison goes into the body, the body will try to get rid of whatever is toxic, including that poison and so when um, fro- when combo goes into the body within a minute or two you start to feel your body heating up and you start to feel maybe your heart beating, you start to, f- I could feel my heart beating in my head and that's what a lot of other people say as well. And, and then you start to feel like just really uncomfortable, <laughs> really, really uncomfortable. And um, prior to the poison going on, you have to drink two liters of water uh, because once you get to that height of discomfort, the body will start to purge and some people go to the toilet, some people are throwing up, um, some people are doing both at the same time, some people are crying, and the body is getting rid of, again, of the toxins and rid- getting rid of the poison. And um, a lot of times you, people will get to the, a point where they start to purge bile and, the, and you'll see that the purge is like bright green or yellow. Mm. Um, and there are actually a lot of other colors that come up and I think it, that has a lot to do with the toxicity of, um, of just the, the modern foods that we eat and, and mm. drugs and things like that. But after that purging happens, that lasts about 15 minutes. That's the intense part of the ceremony. After that, um, you have a chance to rest. And um, after you've rested, uh, you're kind of like feeling more clear in the head and for me, my first experience with combo was really, really powerful. I, I remember feeling, um, once that poison went on, I just, every cell in my body was like completely turned over and, uh, and then I started purging. I started throwing up <laughs> and it was just like, I just remember like seeing white, closing my eyes and then throwing up <laughs> and, um. And afterwards, though, I felt amazing. I felt so amazing. I felt so clear in the head. I felt just like like uh, this cloud had been lifted, and that's actually um, one of the things that it's used for uh, traditionally. Um, so that cloud that some of us experience, that heavy cloud, is in like in um, in the Masai tribe, uh, the tribe that I studied with and the teachers that I study with that's called panema and panema is basically like a heavy energy. That's just, you're kind of just surrounded by it Mm. and that gets lifted with combo. And um, that's where a lot of that mental clarity comes from. And a lot of like, um, just like clarity on your path. And for me, that was what really stood out to me was I only did one ceremony initially. When it's your first time working with combo, it's best to do maybe like three ceremonies in a row at least for anyone who is not, anyone who is like more a part of the Western world and who is not a part of that tradition because uh, for them it's more integrated into the culture um, in those areas where it's used. And is that, sorry to interrupt you, but is that three
1: ceremonies in one day or like back-to-back days or what's the time period for the three ceremonies?
0: So it's, I usually do three mornings in a row. Okay. So three days in a row. Um, and that is because that first ceremony, I kind of compare it to like, if you're cleaning the floor, the first ceremony, you're just taking the big things up and making space. The second ceremony is more like sweeping and getting the, you know, the surface dirt off. And then the third ceremony is more like the mopping. Mm. and in order to maintain all of the transformation that you experience um, it's important to have something in place to help with integration and I like to work with flower essences for that Uh, but then also it's like you know there's there's maintenance you you don't just clean the floor once and that's it Um, you keep up with other things it doesn't necessarily have to be combo every time Um, so if you do an initiation, which is like the three ceremonies in a row, when it's your first time, um, that's something that you can do maybe once. And then maybe you do another ceremony in a year or in three years or in five years, and you're doing other things in between to keep up and maintain all of the transformation that you experienced and all of the kind of like cleaning up that's happened. So that means like paying attention to your diet. If you one thing that's important to me is like if you're going to take the um, if you're going to take have the experience of working with this powerful medicine that comes from whether it's an herb or uh, whether it's coming from a frog, whatever wherever your medicine is coming from, it's important to honor it, and you don't go back to eating like junk food and fast food after your combo experience is not it's not meant to be just like oh let me just do this and clear my system and then I can just go back to my life
1: right
0: no you you want to maintain and um you know make long-term changes and that's what's going to help people see the biggest benefit but for me it's just it's opened my path and I helped me to see my path forward and also helped me to clear a lot of toxicity from my body. Like I said, I was on the pill for seven years mm. and that has a huge impact on the body, um, on the hormones and on the gut. And um, so Combo helped, I think, with clearing that even further, in addition to um, me taking a lot of liver herbs and um, doing detoxes in that way. And um, I also experienced just like a really deep connection with my ancestors. And I remember the first time I did combo for myself, um, I set an intention that I wanted to understand where my pain came from and release it. Mm. And as soon as I finished my purging process, I my cycle started and I had the most intense pain. Um, And this was years after my, you know, years into my journey where I'd already like reduced my pain significantly. And so to have that pain was really intense. And as I was feeling the cramps in my body, I was having visions of my ancestors and some of the pain that they went through. Mm. And so for the next year after that experience, I kind of dove even deeper into other medicines and Um, Doing a lot of ancestral healing, and that helped with, um, you know, recognizing some of the things that I was still doing to, um, to basically like protect myself that I inherited from my ancestors because they had painful experiences and they had protective mechanisms that they passed down, and I had to do some releasing around that.
1: That's so that's so interesting because so I was telling you before the call that kismetly just like super wild I got a scholarship to go to Costa Rica to do ayahuasca and I had been manifesting this for a while like it's been I have my my list and it's been on a list for almost it was almost a full calendar year that it had been on the list before it came through for me um but it was just random and wild and you know how the universe works and um But, like, the whole reason why I wanted to go or my desire to go and do ayahuasca is to heal some of the ancestral trauma that I am continuing to live out um, and I'm experiencing in my life day to day. And one of my fears, but also what I'm excited about is I know what will probably be the experience of experiencing some really deep, intense feeling of the origin of that trauma. So, like, that in and of itself, how. I'm like, Oh my God, how, how did you experience that? What, how did you, what tool did you use? And that you just, even in that moment
0: of being like, Oh shit, like this is intense. Yeah. Yeah. And gosh, the pain was, the physical pain was just so intense. And um, I was there. I that ceremony was part of my combo practitioner training. Um, So I spent a month in the jungle in Peru and Um, so my teacher gave me some tobacco and told me to pray with it Mm. and I prayed with it. And then, um, and the pain started to subside and I was like, Oh my, I was, that was my first really big connection with tobacco. Um, Mm. I, I had never really connected with tobacco before that. Um, and that was really powerful for me. So that was really helpful in that moment to help. Reduce the pain and just kind of get back into a normal headspace. But in it, I, I mean, the visions were really powerful because previously I thought that sexual trauma only happened to the women in my lineage. But in that moment when I was experiencing that pain, I saw that a lot of men also ex- experienced sexual trauma, Ooh, yeah. and that was really powerful for me. Um, and and after that, I kind of, in working with other medicines, um, I was able to see how that trauma actually was still being played out in um, in the present day, and in myself, and in my in my family um, that's alive now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Ooh, Lord. So what other medicines have you been able to experience and heal with? I mean, this will probably be for the first episode where we even talk about plant medicine. So I'm really interested for the audience to be able to kind of get a peek into these incredible, incredible modalities and rituals. Yeah.
0: Um. Let's see. I, I think one of the first things that I worked with that was... Um, the first big plant medicine that I worked with was uh, psilocybin. Uh, so I remember it was my 30th birthday. I had my first mushroom experience and um, it, com- it changed everything. Mm-hmm. It changed mm-hmm. everything. It really opened me up and um, helped me to see myself differently. And I remember having a few experiences after that with it where I went into, I had like the, what would be viewed as like a bad trip And basically to me, what I've learned is that a bad trip is when you are going into the experience without having prior done, um, the proper work to prepare for it. Um, so like if you have things that are stressing you, that are nagging you, that are unresolved, untaken care of, then it's going to come up in that experience. And it's not going to feel good because it's going to be really amplified <laughs> because of the um, because of the psilocybin. And so you want to, of course, do the work and create the space for exploration and um, take care of those things prior to that. And if that means that you have to wait a year or two, then wait the time. It, and that way you can have a pleasant experience and Um, It's going to be big and transformative, but um, that's one of the ways to help prepare yourself. Yeah. Um, So that was a big one for me. And other than that, let's see. um, I I worked with ayahuasca. Actually, ayahuasca is what led me to combo. I remember um, I was like, I learned about ayahuasca and I was like, yeah, this is something I want to experience. And so I just waited. And um, it was maybe two or three years later that I had a dream that I was walking in the jungle and I was holding a drum and I looked down at the drum and in big, in red letters, it lit up and it said ayahuasca on the top of the drum. And then the next day, my friend called me and she's like, I'm going to a ceremony. Do you want to come? And I was like, yes. (laughs) It's time. time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And uh, she's like, oh, there's going to be a medicine man serving combo. And I looked into it and I was like, throwing up, purging, I'm not really interested. And then of course, like I went and had my ayahuasca experience and it was, it was interesting. Um, the whole experience was about me connecting with plants. Mm-hmm. And um, afterwards I felt strong and I felt um, excited about what was next. And then the medicine man came and spoke to us about combo. And as he was speaking, I was like, Whoa this is something I need to work with. I don't know if I'm going to have the opportunity to do it again. And with where I'm at in my cycles and I'm like, I'm not really seeing the progress that I was seeing before. And I just, I went for it. Um, and that was powerful. And then years later I ended up working with, um, with San Pedro and that was a, that was a beautiful experience. I don't have that much experience with it, but it is really just very, very much about the heart and, um, kind of exploring the heart space more. And um, after my combo training, my practitioner training, that year that I spent exploring ancestry and ancestral healing, at the end of that year, almost a year later, exactly, I went to um, Canada and had my first experience with Iboga. And Iboga is something that I wanted to work with for very, very long time because of Because I, when I learned about mushrooms and I started experiencing that, I was like, "Well, what did my ancestors use? What would they have worked with?" Right. And that's how I discovered iboga. It's um, used. It's uh, worked with a lot in um, like the bone area of Africa, and I have ancestors from there. So it just stuck with me. And I had my first iboga experience on a Pisces. Full moon. Um, it was a year last year, and that was the most powerful plant medicine experience I've ever had. And it was all about going deep into your. I feel like I went into my bones. Mm. I went into my my own memories from the past, and I went into ancestral memories. And Iboga showed me so many things about my ancestry and about where a lot of the pain came from. And I saw very vividly, like I was there, it it almost felt like I was in that, in the experience of it as it was happening right Mm. there, um, of things that my ancestors went through and ancestors who, um, passed or died, who were killed, um, Mm. without having a proper, um, ceremony, a grieving process. And so, the thing I like about Iboga is that like I would ask questions and the boga would answer me in these images. Uh, And uh, one of the images that I asked, like, how do I help with this ancestor who um, was basically um, thrown, thrown into the ocean in shackles and how do I help what do I do? And Iboga showed me to like go and do a ceremony at the ocean um, mm -hmm. for that ancestor and the other ancestors that were, uh, lost in the passage from mm. uh, Africa to the Caribbean. Oh my but God. Um, yeah, really, really powerful. <laughs> so powerful.
1: Okay. Can we, I want to get, are you comfortable if I dig a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Stop me when I got too far. Um, I want us to go all the way back to psilocybin because so um, just a little bit of background for me, I came from a family of addicts. And so I grew up very anti anything that looked like a drug, alcohol, all of it. Like I was just I I think I just had like that scar ooh hidden stuff. Um I just had that scar of being like I don't want anything to do with it. There's no good that comes from it, that kind of thing. And then you grow up and things change. And so um the first kind of um plant that I was I came into relationship with and I have a really really beautiful relationship is that what is with cannabis like mm-hmm. cannabis is one of my favorite friends and so um we've it's interesting because i have had that experience that you talked about like the bad trip with psilocybin but having these really intense experiences with cannabis of just feeling my emotions really really deeply and mm-hmm. being like where is this coming from? Like, what is happening? Is it a quote unquote bad trip or whatever? And recognizing and being in that experience and realizing, no, I'm here to like, confront. I'm here to heal this experience. And that's what the medicine for me has kind of been. So I was like, okay, well, I want to get deeper into that exploration of healing it on a deeper and deeper level. Um, I think cannabis for me is more like on the the thought level, like- how am I healing my thoughts? How am I changing my thoughts? And noticing in real time how my thoughts directly affect my feelings, directly affect like what I'm feeling in my body. I can feel the tension. I can feel the heart hurting. I can feel the aches. Um, and that's the beauty of cannabis for me. But then, so I started microdosing psilocybin. And I had this incredible, the first time I did it, I had this just incredible experience of being like, it was a little bit more than a microdose, but I had this experience of feeling so deeply connected to everything around me. Like I looked up at the sun and was like, um, I forgot the question that I asked to the sun, but it was something like, um, like who am I or where do I come from? Or who are we or who are you or whatever? And, And the answer was like, you are all of it. And I had this like, just incredible, oh my God. I had this incredible like, Oh shit. Wait, what? And this, you know, just me and my, my partner, we went and laid in the grass and just having this intense full body experience of being one, being a hundred percent one. Like I did not feel any separation. And so I'm like, I have practiced yoga, I have practiced meditation for years now, and so that was like my daily practice to that feeling and to the, myself, and these these medicines are like the straight, and like, you know, you're right there, it's the <laughs> highway to, to that experience, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but tell me more about your psilocybin experience, and like dealing with the shadow in that moment, mm-hmm and how you navigated that. Because I think so many people are afraid of these medicines because they're afraid of the shadow. I mean, that's my fear about ayahuasca. I'm like, I'm the Capricorn, so control is important. <laughs> and so this idea of letting go of control in a way that it's like, my mind is no longer, I mean, I don't have control over it in that moment. And that's the draw, but it's also the fear. but. I'm interested to hear your story with it.
0: Yeah, um, gosh, you know, I remember. I'm going to go back to one of my solit experiences where I was. Um, I was living in Fort Lauderdale at this little. I had this little place um, close to the beach, and I was. Um, I was working with it a lot then. I would. I would have. Um, I would go on a journey probably like once a month, and on this one particular journey, I just remember like, um, I just felt really, really bad about myself, like about what I was doing, about where I was at in life. And, um, one of the things that I learned in that moment was to just to ask questions. Mm -hmm. Like you don't just have to take everything that's coming at you. You can ask questions. Like, um, if I'm feeling bad, why do I feel bad? Where is this coming from? Um, what can I do to change this? How do I shift out of this? And answers will come through and you can direct the experience. It doesn't just have to be um, like you just accepting everything that's coming in. you can put, and you can also put up barriers and you can say, well, I see that this is here. And if, you, if you're like, I, I'll tell the medicine, like, if you're not going to give me a solution for it, please just calm it down for right now. Mm. and that was really helpful um and then also like your setting is really important i like to have um, like herbal support with me so i'll have like a spray and i keep this with me all the time i have like a spray that has some rosemary and lavender and that helps to like revive you and shift the energy um also having practices like qigong i think that was the first time that i incorporated qigong into. Um, into psilocybin and working with it. And I was feeling bad and I was like, okay, let me just move, let me move my energy. And I did that. And it was great because I could see where the energy was stuck because of the psilocybin. And I was able, as I was doing the Qigong practices, I was able to move the energy. So those things really help. Um, And then also just going into it um, for me, having a clean space Like clearing clearing your space is really important. Um, So, burning incense or something, um, doing a salt bath beforehand, um, all of those things can help you to prepare and also to help you feel more empowered in the process and in the journey. Mm. That way, if you do hit a point where things get tough, you remember that you are in control and you do have a say um, because you've done the practices and you're you're in the mode of. Taking action instead of just being passive and letting things happen. Yeah, Um, but that's really really helpful. And then afterwards, I had the most wonderful experience in that in that particular experience uh, that journey. I ended up. It was tough. I got through it. I did my practices and asked the questions, and I got the answers. And um, and then I danced and spent the rest of the time dancing. It was wonderful. I love it. Uh, and then afterwards, of course, I wrote down the answers that I got and put those things into practice and started making changes from there.
1: Yeah, that's so good. So, okay, so more questions. So what's the what what's the words I'm looking for? What are the characteristics of the different plant medicines that you've worked with? Like on an energetic level? Like for me, psilocybin felt like I was connecting to the earth. Like it was like a straight portal into being straight in alignment with nature and everything around me. Cannabis has a different feel. Like what are the energetic energetics for you for each of the, each of the plants?
0: Yeah. um, I would say with psilocybin is definitely that, wow, this overwhelming oneness feeling. And that was the experience that I had in my very first journey with it. Um, I remember looking up at the sky and seeing all these all these movements and all these, like, um, it almost looked like particles moving or like atoms moving in the sky. And then I looked down at my skin and I saw the same thing and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> we're one. Yes. <laughs> like you said. So that that's really big. And then, um, let's see, with San Pedro, it was actually, it's, it's very much that oneness feeling. Um, but it's a little bit more grounded. And that's a very long journey. Mm. Um, that one is longer than psilocybin. Um, so psilocybin for me, the intense part of it is maybe like, um, like three hours at the most. And then it kind of on either end, is just kind of like, um, a little bit more subtle. Um, but San Pedro can be like, um, up to like 12 hours, depending on the dose that you take. Mm. Um, so it's much longer. And it is, again, that oneness feeling, but it's more subtle. It's like a more subtle version of um, psilocybin and very much about um, like being in your body. Mm. Um, and then with Iboga, um, I mean, that was, whew, gosh, that is uh, very different from all the others in that it's, um, it's very much in the head. Um, it's very much, I mean, you're pretty much laying down the whole time. Um, when you take, when you're, when you're at the right dose, it's hard to walk. Um, Mm. you have to like have help with walking and things like that. So you're pretty much laying down the whole time. Um, and that's like a 24 hour experience. It's pretty intense. Um, and yeah, like I said, it's more in the head and memories and, um, Visions, um, and it's you're pretty. A lot of times your eyes are closed the whole time, whereas the others, like with psilocybin, I even with ayahuasca um, and San Pedro, you can have your eyes open and kind of be more observing what's going on around you. With the boga, it's very very internal. Mm. Uh, with ayahuasca, it is. Um, it's a little bit of both. It's internal, but um, I find that. For me personally, with any of these medicines, I like to do the internal work, (laughs) I like to go inside. So um, even if I am going to be like, um, you know, spending part of the time dancing or whatever, I will always like lay down and go inside and ask, you know, ask the questions and explore and um, experience that. Uh, With ayahuasca, there's a lot of internal, um, ayahuasca definitely has an impact more on, on your physical body, like, will purge with ayahuasca um, right. and with the others not as much I, aboga some people do purge with boga, uh, but i did combo beforehand and that helps with uh, reducing the amount of purging that happens with aboga um, and that can be said for a lot of these medicines um so doing some kind of detox beforehand really helps the experience helps you to have a more um I would, I'm going to say clean because it is, because combo is very cleansing. It is very much like, um, clears a lot of, um, physical things from the body and also emotional and energetic, but yeah, those are kind of some of the differences. And I love, um, also working with herbs to prepare. So liver herbs are really, really great to prepare for any of those experiences Taking milk thistle, burdock root, dandelion root, um, having those things as teas um, mm. in like the week beforehand is a really great way to prepare for those experiences.
1: Interesting. That's good to know. That's definitely good to know. I've heard ayahuasca be referred to as the mother and mm. um, Iboga referred to as like the grandfather herb. Mm. Like that it's like more, Iboga is more of a masculine does that resonate
0: yeah definitely yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah definitely evoca is definitely more of a um i mean it's it's a very masculine energy you know i would say it's very balanced because when i think of something that that is like um a tough that could be a tough experience that could be really just like um I don't know. It's both. I think there's a. I think there's a really nice balance. I definitely understand the masculine though, because you're gonna you're going to see a lot. Like if you ask the question, you're going to see, and it's not going to be sugarcoated in any way. Yeah. Um, okay. And I think you know, with ayahuasca, there or like other more feminine medicines, there is a little bit more of a softness. With the Boga, it's like here it is. Yeah. <laughs> this is what you want to see. This is what it is. Um, it's very much like a. I would say kind of like an emperor energy, like in the tarot, like we compare it to the emperor. Okay. Um, just like a really powerful, strong presence. Like we're going to go deep. You yeah. want to go deep? We're going deep. <laughs> <laughs> like this is what you
1: asked for. Now here you go. Um, yeah. I am really excited to continue to learn about these medicines and to, to get into them a little bit more. Cause I, I, I was, um, I had a reading an astrology reading recently and learning about my north node learning about my south node and my north node and my north node is um can't remember what it's in can't remember what it's in but essentially the message that i took on to it is to get more in my surrendered state to be in a state of surrender to learn how to be more of that archetype of the mother um to be more in a relationship with the earth and to be more in flow rather than my south node which is um in aries which is very much take control be in the front speak loud speak well do the thing um and so obviously these are like complete opposite, you know, whatever is You know, I can under, I can feel the fact that I have spent many lifetimes doing the south node, doing the Aries dance of being out, being in front, doing that, whatever. And this lifetime is asking me to come into softness, come into vulnerability, come into surrender. And I think that these plant medicines have come into my subconscious, my consciousness as a route towards the surrendered. Um, mm-hmm. But it scares the shit out of me. Like it scares the shit out of me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, there's one more question that I want to ask before we start to wrap up. Uh, well, actually a couple more questions, but Um, one of the things is how you have, what are the lifestyle changes that you've done? And it may be part of these, the herbs and the plant medicine and things, but what are the lifestyle changes that you've done to do some of your decolonizing work? Because as, um, black women on this world, in this world, like there's a lot, I feel like a lot of us spend so much of our time on learning um, in relearning and coming to. And so I'm really interested in how you've done that.
0: Yeah. Um, that's, that's huge. That's been a really big part of my healing. And I think the biggest thing I think has been around my work and my work ethic and things like that. Um, I remember one time I was, I was just standing in my kitchen I was about to, I was cooking food and I was, really really stressed about like the emails that I had to reply to and I just started feeling my my whole body got inflamed and I was in pain mm. and I was like where is this coming from what what's going on why do I why am I like why can't I just calm down and like enjoy <laughs> my my meal and I really I asked those questions and it just unraveled this um you know this ball of where that work ethic comes from and how really unnatural it is and how um, this push just constantly be working and producing and creating and your value is tied up in what you, what you're doing, like what do you have to show for yourself? That's been one of the biggest things to kind of detach myself from and unlearn because like we don't, like my ancestors went through some tough things in when they were enslaved and they had these practices around work that were based on fear and um and I could see how that was carried on and I could see how I was still acting those things out and that was like one of those um kind of like highlight moments where I was like okay this is I have to to rest. Rest Mm. is so, so important. And I think that's one of the biggest things is like taking time to rest, taking time to just not do anything and not have to give anyone anything, not have to answer to anyone, not have to like do things for anyone except for yourself. That's the biggest thing. And I think a lot of times, um, especially women of color, we feel like we have to like, answer and help everyone and heal everyone and do everything for everyone and the last person that we take care of is ourselves and that and that is really really tough on our bodies yeah. so I would say that's like the biggest thing is just rest rest and um thinking about how I'm, I'm working mm. and then I get into other things like how am I talking about my body um I just recently learned to just like love these different parts of my body, whereas before I was like, oh, I need to, they need to be more like, I need to like do this kind of workout so I can look this way. And I'm like, wait a minute, why do I want to look like that? Why? <laughs> right. Like, who is that? Like, is, that's not me. Like, I love my body and I love the, the body that my ancestors gave me and where I came from. Yeah. So that's been another big thing.
1: I love that. I feel like that's a trend that I'm hearing Black women re- these days is um, rest. Like, and I'm so here for it. I'm just like, it is so powerful. I feel like us saying we need to rest. I'm going to rest. I'm not going to do X, Y, Z is in and of itself healing our ancestors, like healing the past because our ancestors just did not have access to that. They really didn't. And so us being like, yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah. I love it. Like I've been telling people who have, uh, I've asked to come on the podcast, specifically women who have asked to come on the podcast and they said, I can't right now. And I'm like, thank you. Like, thank you for telling me that because it's it's redemptive to be like, I'm gonna, I'm not going to do. Um, so I love that. I love that so much. Um, before I ask the last question, um, tell everyone where they can find you and get connected to your
0: work. Yeah. So, um, my website is moonmedicine.co and, um, I'm going through a a few shifts and changes right now as I'm like decolonizing my work and my flow, but I'm there moonmedicine.co. I'm also on Instagram at moonmedicines. Um, I pretty much, those are my two outlets, two places that you can find me. Um, and I do have a really amazing, amazing, um, workshop coming up or series of workshops where i'm going to be going through all the different elements earth air water and fire and um basically it's moon medicine for pelvic pain and you go through each of those elements in um in each module of the workshop but yeah all of that is on um if you want to learn more about it you can go to moonmedicine.co and sign up for my newsletter and i'll let you know when that's ready i love that thank you
1: so the last question is, what is lighting you up right now? Uh,
0: what's lighting me up right now? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, gosh, yeah. Um, you know, lately I've just been really interested in play and learning how to play again. And mm-hmm. sometimes I sit my like I, I'll get my work done. And I'm like, okay, now it's time to have fun. And I'm like, oh, what do I act- what do I what's fun for me? Yes. I don't even know what fun is anymore because I just think can- <laughs> working so much and um, so I'm just exploring fun and play and um, so far the the most fun I have is when I like uh, when I'm playing my instruments I love to play I play the didgeridoo I have um, a little harp a a reverie harp I have a flute and a drum and so I love to play music and um, other than that I'm still learning how to play (laughs) and that's been a lot of fun so uh, exploring that with dance and just um kind of like just goofing off and being silly and um also playing in nature so like i love to just go to the beach and um, spend time in the water and kind of not have an agenda for the day um so giving myself those days where there is no agenda and i can just explore playing um that's what's really lighting me up right now um that and um yeah just exploring music it's been so much fun for me and uh, I every once in a while I do lead ceremonies for people and so I love to be able to play music and things like that and that's fun I love that
1: so much I love that so so much thank you so much for being on the podcast it's been an incredible conversation
0: yeah thank you for having me this has been great So what did you think?
1: I really hope this episode um, piques your curiosity about the incredible earth magic that we have access to and um, the ancestral knowledge that is out there and that's within us. Um, So yeah, like, I hope it piques your interest. I hope that you dive into Raven's work and um, dive into some more research around how to heal yourself from the inside out. And that's it for this week, you all. Thank you as freaking always for supporting the show, for sharing it, liking, um, subscribing, doing all the things. And continue to do that because it just means more content, larger guests, more information. Um, So yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. As always, have an incredible couple weeks. I'll see you soon. Bye.